welcome to the New Money Review podcast. I'm Paul Amory, editor of New Money Review. In this episode of the podcast, I discuss money and markets with Alex Gloy, who is founder and chief executive of Lighthouse Investment Management. Listen in for the next 30 minutes to hear a discussion of money, the banking system, the role of central banks, and the outlook for shares, gold, Bitcoin, and bonds. Alex, welcome to the New Money Review podcast. Please introduce yourself to listeners. Hi, my name is Alex Gloy. I'm the founder and CEO of Lighthouse Investment Management. I was uh, born and raised in Germany, then moved to Switzerland, and uh, 1999 moved to uh, the US, New York City. I've worked uh, on the buy side and sell side, mostly in equities for some bigger banks uh, like Credit Suisse and some smaller Geneva private banks. Uh, and uh, I'm more interested in uh, cryptocurrencies from the perspective of uh, possible future of our monetary system. Great. Let, let's start with a very broad question then. What is money from your perspective? That is, well, that's actually the key question. What is money? And uh, we, uh, well, the definition is a medium of exchange, store of value, and unit of account. Um, so you you could uh, I mean anything can serve as money, like the the rice stones on uh, uh, where the Pacific Islanders used huge uh, uh, stones that they uh, where they carved a hole in the middle to be able to carry it. But these stones were mostly stationary due to the weight. And the ownership was conveyed by a verbal agreement. Uh, so that can serve as money. Um, Bitcoin could serve as money. Um, and of course, uh, our monetary system currently is based on fiat money, uh, which exists uh, as public money issued by the central bank, like cash. Uh, and of course, uh, bank deposits. What, we normally refer to as 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 money next to cash right and and in in the in our current fiat system most of the money in the system is issued by banks yeah so um i mean bitcoin really uh taught me a lot of things about uh, the fiat system because bitcoin like a gold coin is nobody else's debt and then you realize that in our fiat system it's impossible and this is really key it's impossible to create money without creating debt at the same time that means that your savings are somebody else's debt so what do you think you of your money in the bank is the bank is the bank's liability clearly deposits show up as the liabilities but even cash that we hold in, in hand that that's also liability, the liability of the central bank, it shows up as their liabilities. And, but that also means if, so if you want to create money, you also create more debt. And if somebody wants to save more, somebody else has to go deeper into debt. Right. So what are the implications of this for the overall stability of the system? That's, uh, that's also a very good question because you can already see that um, there is an inherent instability sort of baked into the cake. If, if um, 
um, our economy needs uh, an increase in money supply to grow, because without credit, uh, there's very few purchases of large ticket items possible. So you need to grow the amount of um, money and credit outstanding. Uh, and uh, that with interest is an exponential function. Um, uh, interest on interest, you know, is, is exponential. And our world is a world of finite resources. So at some point, um, this exponential growth will uh, hit obstacles and that's yeah. when, when we when we uh, that's usually the point when we hit a, a, a financial crisis yeah now i guess if we go back to um babylonian times or biblical times one of the ways they dealt with that problem of exponential growth of debt was to uh to have periodic resets they they, they had a period of debt jubilee where Everything was written down to zero, and then they would start again. But we don't, we don't have that in the current system. We we have uh, something different, I guess. How, how would you describe what we have now by comparison with earlier versions of debt-based monetary systems? Well, or uh, Islamic banking, uh, no interest allowed. I mean, that's uh, um, on 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 uh, on the surface that's that will be sustainable because there's no exponential growth involved. Of course, there are ways around it when you issued at a discount and then the, the interest in, is in hidden uh, somewhere in there. Um, so, sorry, can you repeat your question? Yeah, I just want, you know, I was just wondering what we, I, I, you know, when you were talking about the instability of um, debt-based systems and the problem that interest on interest necessarily is a kind of exponential growth, uh, and that's a problem for a system that has finite resources, yes. whether it's finite oil, finite commodities of other kinds, you know, finite populations, other capacity constraints. So, you know, what is, in the, in the old days, they, they would kind of arbitrarily reset debts and, and, and uh, go write them off after a certain period to prevent them becoming too big. But we don't seem to have that. If it, or if it happens, it's done, we, we had, it happens in a chaotic way. People the central bankers remember the lessons of the Great Depression of the 1930s when it happened chaotically and they were too slow to cut interest rates. You know, we seem to be in a, we seem to reach a point in the financial system where the the amounts created as debt have become very large and it's difficult to, it's difficult Indeed. to manage the system. Yes, so the uh, Institute of International Finance, IIF, they, they try to, uh, uh, come up with a total global debt number. And uh, according to them, it's currently at, at um, uh, above $300 trillion. And uh, global GDP is something like uh, $90 trillion. So we are above 300%, 350% of GDP. Um, so if you slap just a 5% interest rate on that, that means that our world economy each year, 17.5% uh, gets siphoned off just for interest payments. And that's, uh, that seems unsustainable. Um, so it, it could be sustainable as long as GDP also follows an exponential growth path. Um, but unfortunately, even in, in uh, uh, recent decades, the debt outstanding grows faster than GDP. 
and with declining population growth, that uh, means you have slower GDP growth. Um, so yes, there will be resets. And um, you mentioned uh, we haven't experienced that yet. It's exactly right. We in the, in the Western world post uh, World War II, but in emerging countries, it's almost a, a regular occurrence that either you you just um, uh, cut off three zeros from the value of money, or you you have a, a, a more chaotic um, uh, restructuring. Um, so it's it's only that we in the, in the Western world have not experienced this, and this is why uh, it, it shakes our beliefs uh, to the fundamental when when there's a banking crisis or when suddenly inflation flares up. Yeah, I, like you, I got interested in in cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin as a as a as an alternative to the current system, and it was you know, specifically. Well, it was launched with a with a kind of acid comment about the 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 need for constant bailouts of bankers, and you know this might be a better way of doing things. But a, a decade or more later, you've come to the conclusion that this this cannot work as the basis for a financial yes. system. Why is why is that? So I went full circle. First, I, I first I found the technology very uh, interesting, and because my clients kept asking me, should I buy this coin, that coin? How does it work? So I had to really uh, familiarize myself with, uh, first of all, how, why can you not hack it? How secure is it? How is it working? And I found it very uh, convincing at first um, because of yeah, limited issuance, meaning uh, no inflation, meaning you have a, a, a really a store of value there. But then when you think it through, I don't think a, a monetary system based on Bitcoin is workable. Why? Um, well, first of all, let's uh, let's say we. I mean, the economy needs credit. So let's assume that when all Bitcoin are issued in the year twenty one forty, there is a group of uh, of debtors uh, who have taken out loans and they have to pay back uh, uh, debt with interest. Um, well, where comes this interest from the, when there is no more issuance? Uh, the system would just uh, default. Um, and then who would even want to have that in Bitcoin that's presumably uh, constantly appreciating due to its uh, rarity and limited issuance? Not, uh, I mean, it would be silly to have debt outstanding and, and something that appreciates uh, all the time. And, and as as like a gold coin, gold uh, a gold coin is nobody else's debt. So is a, is a Bitcoin. So how, how would that even be possible? And then the proponents of Bitcoin say, well, then uh, uh, there will be no debt. And then I say, well, how will then a, uh, a person purchase a home uh, if he can never save enough uh, Bitcoin during his lifetime to afford the, the home? And then they answer, well, home prices, all the price levels would just... Uh, uh, readjust downwards, but that would be a terrible, terrible deflation and, and would lead to a collapse of the economic system. So my impression is that uh, a, a monetary system based on Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be too hard of a currency. It would be like a very strict gold standard and and uh, not not be workable. Yeah. Would it, would it change your views if you know we made some 
radically different uh, forecasts for the global economy, for the global population. Most people still assume that the economy is growing, the population is growing. But what if it, what if it isn't? What if we're what if we reach peak human beings and and we're we're starting to shrink? And we've already seen some declines in life expectancy in some of the major economies. Birth rates are falling in some of the countries where they were previously very high. Uh, I know that's not the consensus view, but if we were, let's say, if we were reaching peaks in some of those measures, would that make a difference to the way you view things? Well, it would make it even harder to um, keep the current system going because uh, slower GDP growth um, I mean, in the past, GDP somehow always grew into the, the already quite sizable debt. And if that, uh, if, if GDP growth stalls, that makes it even harder. So you would just probably pull forward uh, the, the point when, when a reset uh, needs to happen. Right. Um Let's come back to the, 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 the existing financial system and, and what's been going on over the last weeks and months. I, I, I'm connected with you on LinkedIn and you've been writing some very interesting commentary on what's been going on in the US banking system and, and providing some interesting facts and figures. Uh, it seems a very precarious situation that the, 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 the federal authorities um, about a month ago underwrote all the uh, deposits of Silicon Valley Bank, which which failed, uh, including, I think, around 95% of their deposit base was uninsured. So it was above the federal deposit insurance limit of $250,000. Um, in, 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 in last week's um, failure of First Republic, they went a slightly different route and got uh, another bank to take over the bank, presumably because they're wary of expanding, of doing the same thing, because the FDIC would would probably not be able to take on maybe any more bailouts of that kind. What do you think is, you know, how do you see things? How do you, what do you think is going on? And, and what do you think the people at the Fed and the Treasury and the FDIC are, are looking at? And where do you think they're trying to direct things? Yes. So, the, uh, I mean, Silicon Valley Bank, um, the question is, did, did they even do anything wrong? It, it seems that, I mean, they had no uh, risk officer for a, a couple of months and they didn't hedge uh, their uh, high-quality liquid assets, which they are encouraged to hold. And their, their problem was this huge inflow of deposits uh, during the, the, the boom years of tech. And what, what I mean, uh, you always think that, tons of deposit inflow is positive for a bank, but the bank needs to do something. That, that's a liability for the bank. Like your liabilities just go up and you have to do something on the asset side. And treasuries were yielding five bips. And so they, they had to go out a little bit into mortgage-backed securities, a little bit into longer duration. And then they got hit hard when the Fed uh, did the fastest hiking in interest rates in, in quite some time from zero to five in, in, in 12 months basically. Um, and uh, as long as the depositors would have stayed put, uh, they could have worked it out over time. But now you don't have to go to the uh, to the branch to withdraw your money in cash. You just go to your app yeah. and you transfer it. So it was, a, I mean, this 40 billion plus bank run in one day uh, that is unprecedented. And then 
Yes. So um, if you hadn't uh, made whole all depositors, I think it would have triggered an even wider bank run. So the, the FDIC, unfortunately, here takes the brunt of the consequences of uh, political will that uh, you don't want to... Um, I mean, the FDIC claims no depositor has lost any cent since uh, 1934, and they they wanted to stay that way, of course, to prevent further banking panics. And uh, the politicians uh, want to be reelected; don't don't want this to happen. But this um, is quite a controversial move, wasn't it? Because the whole point of deposit insurance is that you set the limit. You you say yes, we'll yeah. insure it up to 250k or whatever it is in. In the UK, it's eighty-five thousand pounds. In the EU, I think it's a hundred thousand euros. Um, the, is it, yeah. So the, the, just the idea is that you, you don't, you know, that if if you leave your money on deposit at the bank in excess of that limit, you're supposed to be aware of the fact that you're you're taking a risk. You're 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 effectively an unsecured creditor of that bank, and if, if it goes bust, your deposit should be written down. So the fact that they threw throughout these rules, which have been Put in, put in place quite painstakingly over the last few decades was maybe, a, or seen by many people as a, as a symptom of a, a panic and, and, and kind of raised a lot of broader questions, which were then not really addressed by some quite contradictory statements from the Treasury Secretary in the, in the succeeding days and by what's happened now at, uh, like, you know, last week at FRC. It's, uh, they seem to have, I can understand why they don't want to keep relying on the FDIC because it's funded by a levy on the, Surviving banks. So if you if you if you allow another big failure to happen, it's you know the whole thing could unravel quite quickly because people would stop. I mean, it could, that could in itself act as a transmission mechanism, right, for the for the for the uh, surviving banks. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And what's interesting is that in, in Silicon Valley, the initial reports over the weekend were that uh, up to two hundred fifty thousand, uh, no question, uh, fully guaranteed, and above that, um, account holders would get an initial dividend payout yeah. in the following weeks, I think they said, and then just... Yeah, they said they would get 30% or something, and then they get a, yes. a, a piece of paper or a claim on the on the rest. And by Sunday yeah. evening, that had changed into, yeah. no, we're going we're gonna to pay out everybody. Yeah. Um, so there was clearly a fight going on. and and um, But I, I think you... Yeah, if you, if you had... And the haircut, I think, wouldn't have been that high. I mean, you, people would have gotten 85% uh, probably on their claims. But yeah. still, uh, it, it, could, it would have triggered uh, a run on other big deposits. So I think it was probably the right decision, yes. even if it cost uh, FDIC a lot of money. Um, but when you think of bank deposits, I think of bank deposits as stable coins, in, in crypto speak, yeah. um, because it's it's money issued by private institutions. It's not issued by a public institution. Uh, the the only way we citizens can get hold of publicly issued money is if we have cash. And as soon as you bring the cash to a bank, you you exchange the central bank liability against the liability of a private institution. It's it's a completely different animal. Uh, so it's uh, these are basically stable coins, and the, the peg to central bank issued money 
that $1 in the bank is equal to $1 in cash is guaranteed by the FDIC, basically. Yeah. And so if you, if you uh, undermine the trust, that would have serious ramifications for trust in the, in the whole banking system. So, so this is why it's such a sensitive issue. Yeah, and, 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 still, and still unresolved, isn't it? Because we, we had the takeover uh, this weekend of FRC by JP Morgan. And yet yesterday uh, or the day before, a lot of other regional bank share prices went down another quarter, another 30%. It uh, doesn't seem like a very... And of course, uh, you know, as these bank share prices go down further, get closer to zero, they, they, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? People basically think, well, the equity is worthless and I better get my money out or I better... Yeah, uh, that's... that's yeah. A, there's an... If you're an equity or, or option trader, there's an asymmetry, of course, in, in the risk. I mean, you can you can just short now regional banks and, um, and few people are going to uh, hold... Uh, are going to go against you and take the other side because if you go along a regional bank and over the weekend it fails, you look really stupid. And if you're lucky, then it fails and, and you make a ton of money. So that's that's a yeah, self-reinforcing uh, dynamic. Um, and the the question is, how, how do you stop that? And the the fixed income market and um, and uh, interest futures market, of course, assume that the Fed will eventually be forced to lower interest rates uh, significantly. I mean, the curve says uh, this is today will be the uh, we are May 3rd uh, FMC meeting will be the last hike, probably 25 basis points. And, and that's it. And then uh, with first cuts already likely by September and then significant cuts by, by next year. Yeah, that would give give some reprieve, of course, to to the asset side of the banks that is currently underwater. So this is all happening. These dramatic events, and they are probably the most dramatic events in the banking system since two thousand and eight. They're all happening against the background of a you know significantly changed financial system. There's there's a great deal more um, uh, digital money. There are many more digital payments than there used to be in some countries is completely digital with the rise of cryptocurrencies a lot of interest in as you said stable coins um, could this be an opportunity for central banks in some countries to fast track the introduction of of um, central bank digital currency because if if they did guarantee bank deposits to a higher amount that would effectively be it would be digital money wouldn't it underwritten by the by the state um, could we, you know, could we, could that be happening by accident? Because central banks have been looking at this as a kind of academic exercise for a few years, and now suddenly they're rushed into having a, having this these uh, market events taking place. Uh, yes, you know, there's an opportunity for them. So it's interesting. Uh, I, mean, I think almost eighty or ninety uh, central banks of the world are working on introducing central bank digital currencies, and among them, of course, the, the Fed, the ECB, was um, leaked by Lagarde in a prank call that in October they will announce uh, the e-euro. And the question is, why are central banks so keen on, on this? Um, and for the user, it is not very apparent because if you want instant 
money transfer, uh, you can use Zelly or some of the other, these other um, privately offered solutions. Or uh, I mean, in July, uh, Fed Now goes live, and then even for smaller sums, you can you can have very fast settlement times. So from a payment systems perspective, it's not absolutely needed. But what I learned is that. Um, the announcement of Facebook in, I think, 2018 that they wanted to introduce a, a, a private coin then called Libra, then later called Diem, that was really a wake-up call for central banks because um, there is private money in existence and it's, uh, I mean, we have 17 trillion bank deposits compared to uh, two. 2.3 trillion in cash. So private money is already the majority of money issued, but it's still all on the ledger of the central bank. If I'm with Citibank and you're at, at Chase uh, and I want to send you money, uh, City use its bank reserves at the Fed uh, uh, and they get assigned to, to Chase. So the Fed controls the ledger. Uh, and therefore, they control also the privately issued money. Uh, if you have private companies issuing uh, private coins, that's not on the Fed's ledger anymore. They, they uh, then it gets out of control, so to say, and that's why uh, they want to counter that with um, their own digital coin. But there's a second aspect to it that might be even more important. Uh, that uh, as we as cash gets less and less important, uh, I know it's in, in Europe it's it's still more used in, in transactions, but I mean here in the US I really don't carry any cash anymore. It's basically or almost cashless uh, society. And then how can the central bank reach um, constituents with public money with with cash if there is no more cash and that's where the uh, cbdc or central bank digital currency comes in um uh, one uh the the public the, the value of the public money guarantees the value of the privately issued money um we have trust in our money, money that's uh, in the bank because we know we can convert it one-to-one -one into cash. But if there is no more cash, what there is no more guarantees. So uh, this is uh, why um, CBDC is needed. And there was an interesting paper I saw this morning by uh, Professor Bofinger, University of Würzburg, who said... Uh, but it, you have to be careful because if if you offer CBDC in unlimited quantity to uh, constituents, that makes it even easier for a bank run. Because if you if you are unhappy with your bank, uh, have some doubts, you just switch everything over into CBDC, and within yeah. seconds it's all gone. Yeah. So um, that means you would have to to put upper limits, and then. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a tightrope uh, walk between um, uh, public money as uh, as a guarantee for the for the privately issued money, without uh, putting 
uh, the banking system in jeopardy at the same time. Yeah, or, or I guess uh, privately issued money could carry a higher interest rate as a as a as an incentive to stay rather than to switch out into uh, into public money. Yes, I, I think the current idea is that uh, CBDC would not carry interest rates because yeah. for it not to compete with uh, with bank deposits. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the average bank deposit interest rate is still very very low. So if you if you offer CBDC even at two percent, that that would already yeah. uh, attract a lot of um, uh, transfers. Yeah, you, can, you you could. I mean, CBDC you can make it programmable. That if if the government wants to issue stimulus checks, that you say, okay, here you have a free uh, uh, CBDC, uh, one thousand dollars or pounds, but it expires in a month. It's yeah. spend it or lose it, and that yeah. that makes sense. People are, of course, afraid that uh, it can be programmed to to destroy all your money or have huge negative interest rates. I, I don't think that is the that is the intent here. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I agree with it. I don't I don't see a particular. It, it, it generates a lot of headlines. The idea of having negative interest rates on certain types of government money, but 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 I mean I don't think it in itself it's a it's a bad idea. It's uh, it could be it could be used in many ways, as you've just uh, described, for re- relief programs or particular kinds of stimulus and to encourage shorter term spending. But um, back to the question, what can be done? So I think uh, I I mean you can help banks liquidity wise with uh, all kinds of access to Fed money, um, but it, of course you you have to put a certain interest rate on it, and that's currently pretty high, so it eats further away in the interest margin, it hurts the profitability, that uh, depresses the stock price further. And so I I don't see many other alternatives than to massive interest rate cuts currently. And that, of course, then um, goes a little, it encroaches a little bit on the, the fight against inflation, because you then, then you realize you cannot, you cannot have a stable banking system and uh, bring inflation back to two percent. Yes, and then you then you have to choose, and um, the uh, choice. I mean, the hope is that you know you you have enough time until inflation maybe gets closer to two percent, but if not, uh, you you have to um, protect the banking system, yeah, even at the cost of high inflation. So the people in charge of the system really have some very difficult choices ahead, and some 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 un, un, you know unpleasant choices to make between you know absolutely e- evils and lesser evils and greater evils. Yeah, and I might offer here a little bit of a minority view in that the I mean the Federal Reserve gets always uh, uh, hammered and made fun of, and they they only print money. But uh, you have to realize they they the liabilities side is eight point three trillion. And uh, the amount of money in circulation, uh, if you use the widest definition, it's uh, TCMBO, total credit uh, 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 debt uh, obligations in circulation, it's around 90 trillion. So that's more than 10 times as much. And then if you include the euro dollar market, when nobody knows exactly how big it is, but estimates are on 60 trillion. So now we had 150. So if the Fed is responsible for uh, a trillion that they created or printed themselves, but also another 
multiple times more outstanding that some of it they have jurisdiction over, but 60 children they have no jurisdiction over it. And, and uh, somehow they are tasked with uh, keeping that uh, stable and, and smoothly running for the, yeah. for the benefit of, of the public. Yeah. Let, let me ask you as a final question, Alex, uh, you know, a couple of, um, I, I, you, you, you're an investor, you work with, with uh, investment clients. What areas or asset classes or strategies are you recommending to people at the moment? So it's, I mean, it all de- depends on the risk appetite and what investments you already have. But um, I'm always a proponent of um, being risk averse. Uh, and uh, currently um, focused on uh, gold and gold-related investments like gold mining stocks. I know gold hasn't done uh, much in last uh, 12 years. It's you basically get it for the same price than in 2011, which is uh, amazing, given the expansion of uh, monetary aggregates in the meantime. And the miners have even done worse. Um, but I think it's so underinvested that, uh, uh, and, and some of the miners now offer decent dividend yields, so you um, you might as well uh, park your money in there. Uh, so the f- focus probably on on more on real assets, uh, stocks in general, um, real estate, gold, rather than uh, nominal assets like bonds, because I'm afraid that. Uh, the f- the fight against inflation will have to take a little bit of backseat uh, versus uh, keeping the system stable and running. Alex, thank you very much. It's been a fascinating chat. It's been great to have you on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Money Review podcast, The Future of Money in 30 Minutes. If you enjoyed the podcast, Please like it, share it, or tell a friend about it. At our website, newmoneyreview.com, you can also sign up to our newsletter, which will keep you informed of all New Money Review articles and podcasts. If you'd like to support our work, you can do so via Patreon. Details of how to do this are on the homepage of our website. Finally, please join us soon for our next episode.